All right, all right. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn to First uh, Samuel chapter 17. We're going to be studying a very familiar passage this morning. Uh, if you're new, uh, if you're new here today or this is your first time, my name is Pastor Chris, and I'm excited that you are here. But you're here on an interesting Sunday, much like if you were here last week for the first time. We are in a series called Defining Moments, where we believe that the Lord's brought us to a defining moment in the life of the church, where as you can look around and see. We've been growing as a church over, uh, incrementally over the course of the last few years, and we believe that God's brought us to this place where now we're going to take some steps of faith to trust God for what's next, and part of that means expanding the building. If you came in, how many of you guys brought your, uh, brought your thing back from last week? Three of you? Come on now. All right, so if you didn't get one of these little booklets, booklets, make sure that you get one of these before you leave. Um, if you have them, you can go ahead and turn to page 29. Um, we're going to be looking at the story of, of David and Goliath in just a moment. I want to do a couple of things on the front end just for the, just kind of housekeeping pieces to remind us of, and you're going to get sick of hearing me say this, but I'm going to continue to say it for the next few weeks, really probably for the next two years, right? You're going to, Pastor Chris, stop saying it, and I'm going to say no. All right. And so here are some things just to remind you of is that one of the reasons that we have jumped into this defining moments initiative is the why, the what. And I've got a screen. There's about seven things that we want to continue to remind you guys of. And it's these things right here. The why and the what is the mission that God has given us. Over the course of the last two years, we've grown from a church of about 357 to about 569 on average the, over the last few months. So we've uh, we've, uh, we've grown almost more than 200 people, and we believe that what God's doing in Leland is he's continuing to increase our reach, and so part of our responsibility and our command is to reach as many people as possible. It's not just so that we can be a big church. It's not so that we can just fill the chair chairs up, it, but it's because people are dying and they're going to hell, and we care about that. That's what we care about. This is not about money. It's not about a building. The building is just a tool that God has given us. But we realize that God's given us a calling and a responsibility. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But that's the what. It's about the mission. It's about reaching. It's about preaching the word. It's about making disciples. It's about caring for people. And we've talked about that foundationally for the last seven weeks. One of the goals is 100% engagement. We want, you to be, we want you to be present over the next couple of weeks weeks. We want you to be praying. We want you to be thinking about, hey, how can I serve? Is there some way that I can serve in the church? Is there a skill or a gift that God's given me? And how can I use that to, to serve in the church? And then we want you to give, right? We want you to give. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Part of this initiative is a giving initiative, and we want you to look, pray and begin to pray and ask God, God, what is my role in giving to the church so that we can accomplish this vision that God's given to the church? And so I want you to begin to be praying about that now, because I believe in that you're going to see that God can do the impossible Right? God can do the impossible, and that God has this defining moment for you, even in your finances. Okay? And I'm just going to go ahead and say it, say it up front. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about money. Okay? Now, everybody just got mad at me. 
right? You just got mad. But, but we're going to talk about money. We're going we're to talk about money in a biblical way. You realize that there are more than 2,100 verses in the Bible that talk about money. It's the second most talked about thing in the Bible, but it's the one thing that most people don't want to talk about. We like to disconnect our finances from everything else, but our finances are connected to so many things spiritually, and so we're going to talk about that. No, I'm not one of these pastors that wants all your money, because I I care that you're obedient to God. I care that you're obedient to God, because I believe that God doesn't want something from you. He has something for you in taking the resources that he's given to us and giving back to him. I, I'll try not to get into that sermon till next week, all right? Uh, the what, the, what does this project include? This project includes a new sanctuary that seats about 622 people. Um, it, it, it includes a new parking lot. We'll go from about 120 spaces to like 350 spaces. Yeah, right? You won't have to walk in the gravel anymore. Not that I'm here to make your life comfortable, though. Just to be honest with you. But we're, we're going to do our part and what we believe that God's called us to, to provide a parking lot, because our plan is to, in January, we're going to go to three services so that we continue to see the church grow. But what's going to, our goal is to, once we get into the new building, is to go back to two services and have enough parking that we can get people in, get people out. And you don't have to spend 25 minutes in the parking lot praying, asking the Lord not to give you dirty words in your mind. So it's a new sanctuary, it's parking, and it's renovations of this space. That's a big part of it, right? This is not just about us, but this is about the generation that's behind us. It's about a generation that's behind us, that we want to leave a legacy. We want to leave something for them to, to, to continue to use for the days ahead. We'll be renovating this space, adding more children's space, because right now we have about 100 and anywhere from 100 to about 114 on a really good day, a max day. But guess what? We believe that God wants to take that to 200, 250, maybe even 300 kids eventually. And how exciting would that be to continue to see our kids' ministry just continue uh, to grow? Um, what, is give, what about Give Hope? Um, you're like, well, I don't even know what Give Hope is. That means you haven't been here for very long. Um, a few years ago, we started a Give Hope initiative, and that was to expand the building. Our plan then was to only add 100 seats. God started doing more. We realized that we weren't going to have enough. We weren't going to have enough. 100 seats wasn't going to be enough, and we weren't doing anything to expand Uh, or to help our children's ministry. So we put that initiative on hold. Some people started giving to Give Hope, and we just want you to know that money is sitting in an investment investment account, earning interest, and we are using it for this initiative, okay? We're using it for this initiative. It just just carried over. And, but this is, uh, we decided to rename it and call it Defining Moments, because we believe that this is a defining moment in the life of of this church. Um, also, uh, use the booklet. Um, we hope that you'll take this, take this, read through it, um, get to know some of the information. If you have questions, we have a table out in the lobby. You can take some time. Uh, Mr. John White will be out there. Uh, he's been helping us with this initiative. He's uh, intricate, in, intricately involved. And so, if you have some questions, he'll be glad to do that. If he doesn't know the answer, then he'll find the answer. Um, also, commitment cards. Um, you will be 
if you haven't already, um, you will be given one of these as you leave today. And what we're asking you to do is take this home, begin to pray over it. And on November the 19th, we're going to have what we call Commitment Sunday. We, we believe that God will tell you in five weeks what he wants you to do. And so we want you to come back and with this card uh, in your hand and, and believe that God wants to do something through you through that time um, as you be- continue to pray through that. And then again, just pray, asking the Lord. We, here's, what, here's what my, my ask of you is, is this, is that you would come alongside us. Listen, this project is bigger than what, it's bigger than us. It's, it just is. It's bigger than us. And what I'm asking you to do is be a part of the faith journey of believing that God wants to do something that seems impossible to us. And so I'm asking you to join, the, join us on that journey this, uh, this morning. And so um, those are some of the things that we want to talk about. So we're going we're gonna to get into, um, into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a familiar passage, David and Goliath, right? There probably aren't many of you who haven't at least heard about David and Goliath. I don't know if you've re- actually read it out of the scripture. You've taken time to read it in 1 Samuel 17, but at some point you've probably read it in a children's book. You've probably heard it in a, in a, in a children's class. You've probably heard it in some form or fashion. You might even hear it mentioned at a sports event right? David versus Goliath. And, and, and what I hope is that if this is a story that you've heard over and over and over again, what I've been praying is that what God would do is that he would actually give you fresh eyes to see something really new. Because what we know to be true is that David defeats Goliath. Like most of you already know that in your head, you know that, you know, even some of the more details of how that actually happened. And we'll get into that uh, in just a, a moment. But there are times in our life when I believe that God does the impossible, that God does the impossible. Now, let me give you a little bit of a history of Crosswinds Church. You see, this is a defining moment, but we've had defining moments all along the way over the course of the the last 14 and a half years. The first defining moment started on September the 28th at 3.28 a.m. in 2007. God woke me up in the, in, at 328 and he said, okay, Chris, hey, I want you to move to, to North Carolina, to Wilmington. Listen, he didn't just say, hey, I want you to move south. I, I don't just want you to move to North Carolina. God said, I want you to move to Wilmington, North Carolina, and I want you to plant a church. I got up out of the bed and I said, God, you're crazy. I can't do that. Right? I loved, I was doing youth ministry at the time. I loved working with teenagers. I wanted nothing to do with adults. I just don't like adults. <laughs> and, 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 and I was really enjoying what I was doing, but God had other plans. And I said, okay, God, well, if that's what you want me to do, then I'll do it. Ashley comes walking down the stairs, and I know some of you have heard this story over and over and again, and you're just like, Pastor Chris, just get over it, all right? Uh, she comes walking down the stairs, and she's like, what are you doing up? I said, you probably should sit down. I said, because the Lord told me that we're moving to Wilmington, North Carolina, and we're planting a church. She said, you must be crazy. And I said, absolutely, I think so. But it was a defining moment. 
for Ashley and I. We had to sit down. We had to talk about it. And we had to say, hey, are we going to trust God, right? Because it didn't make sense. I had never led a church. I didn't know what it meant to lead a church. I didn't even, I, I didn't even like talking to adults. I liked talking to teenagers. I liked hanging out with teenagers. I really didn't like adults. I didn't want to lead a church. I didn't want the responsibility or the weight of leading a church. But God said, that's not your, that's not on you. It's not my, God said, it's not my problem. He said, but this is what I'm calling you to. And at that moment, like what I realized, I was about 36 years old at the time. I was a young buck. Um, uh, and, and what I realized is that really for 36 years, I had been in relationship with Jesus, but I'm not so sure that I had ever actually taken a step of faith like this right? There are some things that we call steps of faith, but I'm not so sure they're a step of faith. You see, we got out of school, we got out of school, and I went into a church and began youth ministry, but I had a pay, I had a, I had a paycheck, I had a place to live. The church even gave me what's called a parsonage. You're like, what is that? That's a house that a church owns that they give you to live in because they want you to be available all the time. <laughs> And so we, we lived there, you know, and then six years after that, um, we got called to New York and, and uh, we moved to New York, packed everything up in the truck, moved to New York. As soon as I pulled in the driveway, had like 40 people out there. They unloaded my truck for me. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I had a paycheck. I had a place to live. I had all those kind of things. And I thought moving to New York was a leap, was a leap of faith. Well, it was because I was from North Carolina and people from New York, they're different. People from North Carolina, they're different, <laughs> right? But I loved that season of my life, and I learned to love New Yorkers because they were nothing like what people had said they were. And so I love all you New Yorkers. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but, but now we come to this crossroads in our life where we've got to make this decision, right? Because I don't have a paycheck, Ashley quit her job. I quit my job. We got three, we got three kids. We got a minivan and we got a, a truck full of stuff. We had, to, we had to get rid of as much stuff as we possibly could. We were having a yard sale selling as much. I said, we got this size truck. This is the only truck we can afford and we're going to put everything we possibly can in this one little truck to go to North Carolina. And that's all we're taking with us because we were moving out of a house. It was about, you know, it was built in 1920. It was about 1,800 square feet into a 1,200 square foot apartment with three kids. And so we had to downsize everything. Ashley didn't have a job, I didn't have a job, didn't have a paycheck. We didn't even have any people until God started getting, speaking to other people. And at that moment, before we actually left, we had four other families who came to me separately. We didn't go ask anybody. They came to me separately and they said, hey, Pastor Chris, God has told us we're supposed to go with you from New York. They sold their homes. One of the couples had built this house and they had just finished their dream home in New York. Their dream home. The, the husband had built it pretty much by hand himself for like 10 years. They had done it as they could afford it. He, they came up to me and said, we realized that our house has become an idol to us. And God's telling us to go with you. They put their house on the market. They sold it within two weeks. This is in 2008 when the market is crashing sold their house. We sold our house. Three other families sold their house, moved to North Carolina. You tell me that God can't do the impossible. Okay, that's just the beginning of the story. 
we moved here, started connecting with other families, started meeting in a home. You guys who were here saw that video last week, started meeting in a home with about five, added a couple other families, six, seven, eight families, started outgrowing the house. We started looking for space. At the time, there was nothing in Leland, about like there is right now. There was nothing in Leland. There was only one little storefront space that was available in Waterford. I went to that person. I said, hey, man, what, would it, what does it look like for us to take these units? He's like, yeah, you, you, yeah they're available, but they're going to cost you $8,000 a month. $8,000 a month. I'm like, we got seven families. We got seven families. We'll take it. No, seriously. We moved into that space. And from day one, for 10 years, we never missed a rent payment. Now, I don't know if that's faith or if it's stupidity. But I, we believe that God wanted to do the impossible because we knew that God wanted us in Leland, North Carolina. Okay, so we step, we're in storefront 10 years. This piece of property comes available and, and uh, we, another church owned it. They came to us and said, hey, we, we, you want to buy this property? We're like, uh, maybe. And I went and prayed about it. And the Lord said, yeah, I want you to buy the property. I said, but Lord, we don't have any money. He said, that's not your problem. I went back to that guy and I said, hey, man, we'll buy the property. No, I wasn't sure where the money was coming from. Because we had about $10,000 in the bank account at the time. They wanted $235,000 for thir almost 13 acres. Yeah, this was a few years ago. You couldn't get 13 acres for that, nothing now. So uh, within two weeks, we were, given, we were given a church property over in Wilmington, North, over in Wilmington, a church property. It had a house, a parsonage where the pastor lived and, and a church facility. We sold the house, made about 80, $5,000 off of it. And I went to the guy and said, hey man, we'll buy the property because God gave us the money, right? We were, in, we, we were working with that church that was over there. They only had about 12 people. Somebody, another church came up and said, hey, what are you going to do with this property? We're like, uh, we're not sure why. They said, we might want to buy it. We're, we're like, well, it might be for sale. They end, we ended up working it out. They paid us about $312,000 and we were able to sell that property, give it, bless another church with that property. And then we were able to come over here and pay all our debt off on the land and put $100,000 in the bank. And so God just kept doing that. So then we kept moving forward. We said, okay, well, let's start moving forward. We started an initiative, most, much like uh, Defining Moments Initiative. We raised about $150,000. The lending institution that we were working with wanted us to have I mean, $300,000. We're like, we're not sure where we're coming up with $300,000. You know, we can't keep, the building prices are going up and we can't keep up with the money that's coming in. We can't, it, it, the money that's coming in is not coming in fast as the building prices are going up. We had applied for a grant. Listen, 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 listen. We had applied for a grant through a, uh, through what's called the Lasco Foundation. And one day, about Two, we were about two weeks away from going to tell people, hey, we got to give your money back because we're not going to be able to build this building. I got a letter in the mail. I ran to the, oh, I didn't run. I walked to the, I walked to the mailbox. I got the mail out and I'm flipping through and there's this one that had this grant, this grant name on it. So I opened it and the first thing on that piece of paper said, you've been awarded $648,000.
I walked back into the little sanctuary that we had there in Waterford, and I took my shirt off and started running around the room. <laughs> David danced in his underwear. I figured I can take my shirt off and dance. Nobody was there. I was the only one there. It's okay. Nobody thought I was crazy, you know. But if that happens here, I'm running around outside. All right. And God just did the impossible. I can't tell you how many pastors I've told that story, and they're like, what? Like, you just got $648,000. Yeah, that's what God gave us. That's what God gave us. And then, we, so we moved into this building to the October the 20th, right? Just two days ago, it'd be four years that we moved into this building. 11 weeks, and COVID hits. <laughs> I'm like, God, you're funny. We've only been in this building 11 weeks, and now we don't have anybody. They're sitting at home. They don't, they don't want to watch me on the TV. I'm like, this is really funny. I'm like, God, you got a real sense of humor. And we did our best to do our online thing for a little while. And, and, and that was probably the hardest time as a pastor you've ever, you could ever imagine. Are people going to show up, Right? You know, what, what are we going to do? When do you start? When don't you start? Because you couldn't do anything right as a pastor. Everything we did, every decision I made, it was wrong in somebody's eyes. And to be honest with you, ever since COVID, there's been more pastors getting out of the ministry than there has coming into the ministry. You see, because listen, the majority of churches did not survive COVID. More churches closed than started during COVID. And so we just said, hey, we're going to do our best to try and keep it. And from the day that we opened up, we have since kept growing almost every single month since we opened in COVID. Amen. We have kept, and you tell me that God can't do the impossible. All right. So let's look at what God did through David. First Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 26, a portion of 26, and then I'm going to jump. So, David's a young boy. David's a shepherd. Uh, he's tending his father's sheep. Saul has been king up until this point. And God takes the anointing off of Saul, who was king, because he was disobedient to God. And he said, now I'm going to anoint a new king. So he went to Jesse, David's father, and he said, it, it, they, went, they went through all the sons until they got to David. God didn't really like any, not that he didn't like the sons, but they weren't the ones who were supposed to be king. And, and Jesse's like, hey, I got this one son. He's out tending the sheep. He really, you know, I, I don't know about him, God. I'm not too sure about David. And, and God said, go get David. David came in and God told Jesse, said, this is the one who I'm going to anoint to be the next king. He, he probably, they think that David probably at that time was somewhere around the age of 16, give or take. And in that moment, Jesse, or God anoints David to be the next king. And so that's what we've kind of led up to in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. Right? And for 40 days, for 40 days, Goliath has come out and, and, uh, and pretty much uh, just cursed God. And he's like, send out your best warrior to fight me. 
in verse 26, it, it, it says this, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? Now, what's happened is David, Jesse went to David and said, hey, I want you to go. I want you to take some supplies to the front lines to your brothers. Okay, so, so David goes to the front lines and he hears he hears Goliath saying this, right? Some believe that Goliath was about nine feet tall. David was just a, little, just a shepherd boy. You know, about the only thing he could do was sling a couple rocks. And David's at the front line and he hears Goliath come out and he hears him saying this about God. And then we jump to uh, verse 32 it says this, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. You see, because none of the Israelites, none of the other Israelites wanted to go fight Goliath because they were afraid. They were afraid of this nine foot giant, but David felt different. He said, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, I love this. Your servant's been keeping a father's sheep. When a lion or a, or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, I struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I can't go in these. You must be ridiculous. Because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in his pouch and his shepherd's bag. And with the sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He, lo he looked David over, and he saw that he was just little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. The, this day the Lord will de deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. 
As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a, out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and struck down the Philistine and killed him. Man, how incredible of a story. I like to try and put myself in that story. What would it have been like had we been there? And so I think there's, some, there's a couple of things that I want to give to you this morning that, yes, it applies to these defining moments because I believe that there are these defining moments in our life where we have to make a decision. We have to make a choice. Are we going to stand for God or are we going to back down? Are we going to be afraid, right? There are a whole lot of Israelite, a whole lot of people in the Israelite army who were afraid to go out and fight David, to fight Goliath. But David in that moment saw Goliath saying, man, you're not going to say this about my God. I'll go out there. I'll go out there. No, I don't. Let's be honest. It could have been most 16 year olds are pretty arrogant. It could have been his arrogance. I mean, it could have been, yes, the fact that David had been a shepherd boy and he had been, he had taken care of the bear and he had taken care of the, the, the lion. Let's be honest, probably most of us wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. But David, he, he was afraid. He learned a skill to be able to take care of the shepherd and what God was doing was using his skill to set the Israelites free. So here's a couple of things I want to give to you. First of all is this. This story is not about David. Listen, listen. This story is not about David because we like to give David the props. Oh, David, man, you must, that must have been awesome. No, this story's about God. At the center of it, this is about God doing something that people just didn't think would actually happen. Not Saul, not, not the Israelites, not even Goliath thought, there's no way that I can lose because of this. So this story is all about God. And this was a defining moment for David. This was a defining moment for David. He was a teenager. Hey, if you're a teenager, would you stand? Seriously, like middle school, high school, would you stand? They're like, oh, why are you making me stand? Because here's the reminder for us this morning. The most of us are old in this place. And most of us already know what we're, what we're doing or what we're going to do. And I just want to say to this group of teenagers that are standing here today that God can use you to do the impossible. You can do your own thing. God will let you do your own thing. Ask all these adults in here. That's true. God will let you do your own thing. He'll let you screw it up. Yep. But let me just say to you right now, if you'll be obedient and follow God, he'll do the impossible through you. In your school, right. in your home, in your neighborhood, in your future career. Don't say, well, when I get old, I'll do this. You make the decision now that you want to follow Jesus. 
Let's pray. God, I pray for every single one of these teenagers that are represented here and the ones that aren't represented here in our community. God, in this church and in the churches, I pray that this would be a generation that like David, they have the confidence to stand up and push the enemy back. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, all right, sit down. Sometimes you have to take authority too. All right. All right. Okay. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you guys four really quick points. The first one is this. God does the impossible through the obedient. God does the impossible through the obedient. There are a lot of times when we let fear keep us from doing what God has called us to. David could have been afraid, much like all the other Israelites. He could have listened to Saul. He could have listened to all the other, other guys in the army. They said, nope. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the very thing that God's called me to, and I'm going to be obedient to that. The second thing is this. God prepares you for what he calls you to. He prepares you for what he calls you to, okay? David did not know that being a shepherd and killing the lion and the bear, he did not know that fighting Goliath in this moment was a defining moment because what God was doing was God was positioning him to be the king of the Israelites. And one of the most respected people in all of Israel. And so God was using this moment. So teenagers, God is using the season that you're in to prepare you for what he might have next. Adults, God is preparing you in this season that you're in right now for what's next, regardless of your age. You see, because you weren't only saved from something, but you were also saved for something. Let me say that again. Did you hear me? You weren't only saved from something, you were saved for something. Because God wants to do something in us and he's preparing us. Let's make it, let's make it uh, corporate for right now. I believe that God's preparing us for what he's going to do next. And part of it is this defining moments initiative, right? Now, I realize that there are people who walk in and they're not sure they want to be a part of a growing church, and I fully understand that. And I'll say it again this week, like I said it last week, I want you to be obedient to what God calls you to. And if God calls you to leave, then leave. Because I want you to be where God wants you to be. Because God's preparing you for what he's calling you to. The third thing is this. Uh, David used what God gave him, right? He tried to put on Saul's armor and realized that he, could, like he couldn't wear Saul's armor. He had to use what God, he had to use the gifts, he had to use the skills, he had to use the ability, he had to use the resources that God had given him for this defining moment. And here's what I'll say about that to us. God has given us all time, talents, and treasures, and we need to use them for his glory. And David, in this moment, he stepped out in faith and he trusted God. He didn't know, he didn't know what was next. He just knew what he had to do now. Right? He just knew what he had to do now. The fourth thing is this. God used David 
to defeat the enemy. God used a teenage boy to push back the enemy. That's what God wants to use us for. You see, as much as we're called to mission here and reaching people for Jesus, we're also called to push back the enemy. God uses his people to push back the enemy. We gotta fight for our children. We gotta fight for our teenagers. We gotta fight for the things that God wants us to fight for because he's fighting our battles, but we still have a responsibility to pick up our sling, to pick up our five smooth stones, to step out into the battle and fight when God calls us to fight and push back the enemy. Because I don't know if you know it, but the enemy's attacking you on every side. He's attacking your family. He's attacking the ones around you. He's doing everything he can to destroy you. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But as Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So let me ask you this morning. Let's ask God together to do the impossible through us. You see, for all of us, it's personal, but it's not only personal, it's also corporate as the body of Christ. Is that God wants to do something through us. That to be honest with you, on the outside looking in, it just doesn't make sense. And I've had to wrestle with that time and time again. Okay, God, you're calling me to North Carolina. Not sure why, not sure how it's going to work out, but okay. God, not sure we're supposed to step into this storefront, but okay, if that's what you want me to do. Okay, God, we're supposed to give resources. A few years ago, we gave away resources that we didn't. We really, I mean, we had the money in the bank, but I knew that when we gave that money away, I wasn't sure how we were going to continue to do the things that we knew we were called to do by giving that money away. And God more than blessed us because we were willing to be obedient to the things that he called us to do. And so I'm asking you, if you call Crosswinds your home, I realize some of you, maybe you're just visiting here this morning. Your takeaway this morning, if Crosswinds is not your home and you got to go back to some other place, the calling for you is to go back and trust God for the impossible and step out. When's the last time you actually walked in faith? Not knowing what was next. See, I think as Christians, sometimes we can settle into this little comfort zone. We can go through our little, we can go through our motions. We get up, go to work, brush our teeth. Well, hopefully you brush your teeth before you go to work. And you just go through the motions. How are you, how are you truly walking in faith and trusting the Lord in this day? What is it that God wants to do through us? It truly is impossible. But I'm asking you this morning, let's, let's, what God might do with a group of people who say, we're going to trust God for the impossible. Listen, I'm not just talking about a building, okay? I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about a building. There's so much more than that. That's just a tool, but there's so much more to seeing 
people reached in Leland and Bowling Spring Lakes and Delco and Shalot and, and in Wilmington and all these other places across the, across the world. And so, God, we want to trust you for the impossible. We pray with me. God, we want to trust you for the impossible. We, God's already proven himself, folks. We already know that he can do it. We already know that God has the power to do whatever he calls us to do. He's, he parted the Red Sea. He, he parted the waters of the Jordan. He took down Goliath with just five stones and a slingshot. He created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> and probably if we're being really honest and we were to think back in our own life and look back at the last few years, we already know that God's already done something in our own life that we thought was impossible. He's already been faithful. He raised Jesus from the dead. So in my mind, it's not will he, but when will he? God, would you just do the impossible in us and through us? May this be our defining moment. As we step in faith into what we believe that God has for us as as a local body in Leland, North Carolina. And God, I look forward to a few Sundays from now, a month from now, two months from now, six months from now, standing in front of this body and saying, look what God did. And it's only because of God that that happened. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. We're going to close this time out. Maybe there's something that seems impossible in your own personal life and you just want to pray about it this morning. I want to open up the front and give you the opportunity. Our prayer, our, our prayer member, our prayer team, they'll come down and they'll pray with you as well. But I want you to ask God, what is it that is, seems impossible in my life? Because some of you are saying, listen, it, gosh, um, some of you are saying, well, I can't give to this. It's impossible because I don't have the resources. I'm asking you to trust God that he will provide the resources for you to help you and help accomplish the vision that God has. You're like, it's impossible. You're like, my, my son, my daughter, they'll never, never come to Christ. No, don't ever say never. Because God's much bigger than that. My marriage will never be healed. Don't ever say never. My family, they're screwed up. Well, welcome to the club. We trust God to do the impossible and use this moment, this time to say, God, use me, prepare me for what's impossible. Let's sing and pray together.